ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Today I'm joined by Laura Baker of Northwest Ladies Range Day. We talk about first-generation hunters and the impact that mentorship and encouragement have on other hunters. All right, everybody, we are here today talking with Laura Baker, originally Laura Barju of Northwest Ladies Range Day, Um, and I am excited to have you on. I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Um, I want to hear just a little bit about who you are. Um, Give us all kind of a little snippet. Okay. So as you said, Laura Baker, Mm -hmm. um, I just got married uh, in June, end of June. So it's been almost three months. Um, I've been with my husband for six years, though. Um, I live in Oregon. Um, I live halfway between Portland and halfway between the coast. So we kind of are in the middle of everything. We have a, we can go to the city if we want to go to the city, which we very rarely like never do just because we try to stay away from there. But oh, yeah. then we have the ocean and the beach that we can get to pretty quick. And that's fun. I've got three kids. My oldest is a freshman in high school this year. Um, my only girl. And then I have two boys that are in fourth and sixth grade. Um, I work a regular day job just like everybody else. And I help my husband with his construction business. And then I kind of do the Northwest ladies range day thing. I love it that, um, you've got a lot of hats on. (laughs) Yes. Would we want it any other way? No, No. and it's the only way I know how. There you go. There you go. I think that's a little bit of, um, probably who you are, but also a little bit of the mom that creates the ability (laughs) to do that. Yes. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Well, tell me pretty... You can take all the time you want to, but tell me, um, 
how did you get first inspired into the outdoors and into archery and hunting and all of that? Yeah. So, um, growing up, my dad was, uh, he was a Marine and, um, he worked for, um, Chevron. He, not like at a gas station Chevron, but he actually worked for the refineries and my mom grew up in Compton. And so we, they kind of came from polar opposite worlds. Yeah, they did. So, (laughs) um, you know, we, we had a gun in the house growing up. I never saw it. I just knew it was there. So I never even had any access to guns or hunting or anything like that growing up. My dad did take my brother and I um, hiking and rappelling because part of what he did for Chevron was he was part of their volunteer fire and rescue team. So um, he had all his own rappelling equipment and stuff. So that's one thing he um, taught my brother and I to do. And we did a lot of that growing up. And then um, when I turned 18, I met my kids' dad and he um, he had some guns and he took me shooting and we went shooting with some friends um, and he said he hunted. And I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. I kind of started to kind of get a little interested in it then. And um, when I was 19, um, I got pregnant with my daughter and at, I was 20 for three months when she was born and he would go off and go hunting for a couple of days out of the year. And in my mid twenties, I was like, you know, I really want to hunt. I want, I want to go, I want to learn. And so, um, I took hunter safety and, uh, and he ended up going like just one or two days out of the season. And I'm like, I really want to do more than this. Like there's gotta be more to just, than just like, we're not going to do much if we only go a couple of days out of the season. And then he had a bow and he had a bow and, um, he would shoot it. And I was always kind of interested in it. And there was one time I told him, you know, Hey, I kind of want to learn. And he handed me like a 70 pound bow and I couldn't, (laughs) I couldn't, I couldn't draw it back. I couldn't draw it back. Of course. Yeah. He's like, Oh, you'll, you'll never be able to do it. And I'm like, well, okay. So I just kind of put it on my list of like bucket list things, you know? Yeah. So fast forward a couple, you know, years from that, um, by then I had had three kids and found myself a single mom and I had always kept archery on my bucket list and I stayed hunting even after that, um, because it was something I just really enjoyed and, and found it was, I had a passion for it and I, and I loved it. And, um, when I'm, when I met my now husband, um, he said he, um, was an archery hunter and, and a hunter and he fished a lot. And, um, he's like, Oh, you know, all my girlfriends left cause I hunted and fished too much. And I'm like, what? <laughs> really? I'm like, people have tell it, told you you hunted and fished too much. <laughs> Those words will never come from my mouth. Mm-hmm. I was like, just take me with you. And so, um, and I had told him, I was like, you know, I really wanted to try to shoot a bow. It's on my bucket list. You know, I, I, I really, I'd really like to learn. And so, um, he took the time and took me to an archery shop and, um, I had shot a couple of bows and, uh, we had been dating like, oh, a month and he put a down payment on my first bow. And, um, and he said, you know, I'll do, I'm going to do this, but if you want it, you have to pay for it. You have to pay it off. Yeah. And being a single mom, there's not 
much expendable money out there. But I had found that after shooting just a few times that I literally fell in love with archery. Like I fell in love with it that I couldn't put it down after that. Every time we got together, we went to the archery shop and I had to shoot my bow and I would make another payment on that bow. And it took me several months and I paid it off. And in Oregon, um, when I first started archery hunting, um, the draw pound or the draw weight requirement for elk was 50 pounds. When I first picked up my bow, I could barely draw 28 pounds. And that was in July. And I was so determined to hunt elk my first season that I was shooting so often. I made it to 50 pounds before September for our first archery elk season. (laughs) And I was like, I am going to do this. And I love this. And I'm just addicted. And so, um, yeah, that's about how I got started. And I've just, it's been something that I've just fallen in love with over time. And as time has gone on, the passion has just grown bigger and stronger. And I couldn't imagine not hunting. Yeah, that's... um... I hear your story. And the whole time you were talking, I was going, yes, that was me. That was me. (laughs) Um, Because I am also a first generation hunter. um, And the, my husband would go off while the kids were young and Mm -hmm. the quiet and the beauty of nature and be able to sit there for hours in the stillness without somebody having to say, Hey mom, Hey dad, Hey mom, Hey dad. Um, And the second that I got into it, it was like, yes, this is, there's just something about it. It's therapeutic. Yeah. It's like, it's weird because you don't realize that there's such a longing in your soul for the peace Mm -hmm. and the stillness and the calmness that come with being in the outdoors and in the woods. Like I'm happy to take my bow for a bow hike as we call it when you're really hunting, but there's no animals, you know, I'm like just absorbing nature and everything around you. Like I am perfectly happy seeing animals and being out there and just immersing myself in in nature mm-hmm. it's um it's, there's just nothing like it th- there isn't there really isn't no um I think that I I pushed hard kind of like you with trying to get my poundage up pretty high and ended up dislocating my shoulder partially and so I'm oh, working no. my way back into um I'm right at 30 like I had to go all the way back to 20 eight pounds and I'm working my way back, but hopefully within a couple of months with the right, with the right kind of exercises and the right kind of thing, I'll be back at it by next year. Um, but that's, I loved hearing that part of your story. I was like, that's like me. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And I'm sure you hear that from a lot of people, not necessarily that it was, because of a husband or ex-husband or whoever it was, but yeah. that initial, I'm hooked. And yeah. there are many reasons that hunters get hooked, especially to bow hunting and to archery. But oh, um, yeah. but once you're hooked, <laughs> there's really no coming back. <laughs> yeah, seriously, for sure. Yeah. Um, I love that. Um, I love that you said that your husband now, he said, you're going to have to pay it off. 
Yeah. Because it it's an investment. Yes. Because I mean, just like anybody, you know, you could buy something for somebody that mm-hmm. says they want to do something, but then it becomes about, you know, well, they wanted it for you. So it was like given to you. Right. You know, if you for doing it this way, it's like if I I had to truly want it in order to make it happen. Oh yeah. Like it wasn't going to be something that, oh, I'm just going to do this just because you bought it for me, just because, you know, just to make you happy. No, it makes me happy. And it's something I fell in love with and wanted so bad. It piques that passion a little bit more because you're having to work for it. I think so. Yeah, definitely. I would agree with that for sure. Uh, It's, that's great. When, when, um, so how long have you been hunting? So I've been hunting, well, I, I rifle hunted when I was in my mid-20s. Okay. Um, and I, let's see, I, I, I rifle hunted for about three years, mm-hmm. two years when I was with my ex-husband and then a year by myself before I met my now husband. Uh-huh. Um, And so, um, I rifle hunted for those three years and then I've been archery hunting for six years. Um, and then I still rifle hunt for deer. So I kind of have the best of both worlds. Yeah, you do. (laughs) I archery for elk and then I rifle for deer. That's great. And, um, I just love it. I, I like them both and you know, they're, but for me, nothing really beats archery elk season. It's, it's really, there's, for me, nothing compares to it. I was, about to, cool. I was about to ask what what is one of your favorite um, elk hunt stories. Um, there, there's a lot. So, um, <laughs> but really, the one that always stands out the most is my very my very first archery elk season because it was it was kind of a turning point and a learning. Um, experience for me. I mean, every, every season, every experience is a learning experience, but, um, I had, I had an opportunity that most, I would, I would assume most people probably don't get. And it was close to the end of, um, my first season and we were walking down an old skid road headed hiking our however many miles back to camp. And, um, we were all exhausted and, um, we were just kind of like talk, walking and talking and we were kind of thinking, you know, the hunt was mostly over and it was my husband and his buddy and I, and we're, we're just totally minding our own business. And I looked down the road and I'm like, looking, I'm like, what, what's that? You know? And, and I look at our buddy Renee and I go, I, I go to him and I go, I go, Hey, Renee, is, is that an elk in the middle of the road? And he Whoa. looks and he like pulls up his binos. He's like, yeah. And I thought it was a cow at first because I just saw the body and mm-hmm. he goes, no, that's a bull. And then he ranged it and it was like 105 yards. I'm like, well, I know my effective range isn't that far. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we quickly like scamper off into like the little ditch thing that was right there and we're like making our game plan and we're like okay we're gonna sneak in as far as we can and we snuck into like 85 yards and we sat there and kneeling down and 
this bull had no idea we were there and he just was you know on his merry way just feeding down the middle of the road and he worked in his way down to us but he was working so slow and my legs started to tingle and my legs started to fall asleep so I sat flat on my bottom and and we're just watching this bull come and he's coming and he's coming and he's coming and we're like oh my gosh this is gonna happen it's gonna happen and he fed right into 35 yards and turned broadside I'm like oh my gosh this is gonna happen it doesn't get any more perfect he than set this. it up for you that's amazing yeah and and I went to draw my bow and I couldn't draw my bow um, and I'm like, what the heck? And then I went to draw my bow a second time and I couldn't draw my bow. I had never practiced from sitting. And so I didn't realize there was such a difference in the muscles that you use mm-hmm. to draw your bow from that position. And on that second attempt, the bull caught my movement and he took off running. And... um that's just how that hunt ended. But I was like, I looked at him and I looked at Dale and I'm like, okay, I'm going to cry now. And I, <laughs> I bawled like a little baby. I would have to. It, oh my gosh. But it was, it was a learning experience and it's something that I have taken with me ever since. And I'm like, now I know that I need to be able to draw my bow sitting flat on my bottom because it could happen again. Right. But I'll just, it's just an experience that I will never, ever forget. There's, there's nothing like that. It's, um, I feel like every hunt that I go on, there's always something that I learn or something that I have noticed that I need to change or tweak Mm -hmm. or, or work harder on, or there is always something that I can apply to my hunts in the future and to my practice. Yeah, for sure. And it's, um, I've talked with a couple people in the past about how each hunt that you go on, you also learn lessons that you can apply to in your life. And it's the mm-hmm. patience. It's the patience with yourself. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I mean, man, we've got to have patience with ourselves. Um, no matter where we are in our journey of hunting, you have to have patience with yourself. Um, Oh, for sure. And so I think that has been big lessons that I have learned myself and then applied them into life. And I love that, that it kind of, it, it, it goes back and forth between hunting and your real life and hunting. There's not, there's a blurry line. It's not a boundary. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Oh man, that it gave me goosebumps hearing about that. Just that he was coming so close. <laughs> I know he was so close. Oh my god. Okay, so you went from rifle hunting to bow hunting to archery. Like you your ability with archery, um, did it start before you were bow hunting or did it come along as you were bow hunting? So, um, when I picked up a bow for the first time, my initial goal was just to be able to hunt. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how much I would really enjoy archery Mm -hmm. in and of itself. So like, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to hunt with it. And, you know, I love archery season and all that, but I found that I just enjoyed 
the idea of just getting out and shooting my bow and, um, you know, part of what Dale and I do together, we, um, compete in some 3d archery competitions and stuff in the off season just to give us, you know, it's good practice, but I just really enjoy shooting my bow. So I, you know, we try to find more things that we can do with that. And, um, you know, even after, like when I first started shooting and stuff, you know, I had a couple of girlfriends that were like, oh, hey, that's pretty cool. And then as time went on, they watched that I was still doing it. And they're like, hey, will you teach me? And I'm like, well, I'm still pretty new, uh-huh. you know, and this is just even after a couple of years, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty new. So I don't know that I could, I'm still pretty learning myself and I don't know how much I could teach you, but. I'm like, we could totally, you know, get together or whatever sometime, or I could figure something out. And, um, so that's kind of from that, that's kind of how Northwest ladies range day was born. So I had, um, I had made a plan to get these girlfriends together and I, by that time I had met several ladies that are, um, completely immersed in the archery industry and have been shooting most of their life, you know, hunting most of their life, you know, they're, they were raised in hunting families. And so I had kind of talked to them and I'm like, Hey, you know, I have this idea because I have a couple of girlfriends that want to learn to shoot, you know, what would you be willing to help me kind of make this work where, you know, you can help give some pointers and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they're like, Oh yeah, you know, that's, that'll be fun. (laughs) So, um, you know, ladies are always looking to get together with ladies, right? So I, I was like, I told my friends, I'm like, okay, here's the deal. This is what we're going to do. And living in Oregon, the Bowtech factory, um, is here in Oregon and it's, um, in Eugene. So it's only a couple of hours from me. Yeah. And at this time, you know, I'd been shooting for about three years and, um, with doing 3d competitions and stuff, I had gotten in contact with Bowtech and I was part of their hunting staff, um, pro staff. And so they opened up their factory to me to their indoor shooting range to bring some girlfriends in and, and, you know, get together and shoot. And I expected maybe like 10 of my girlfriends to show up. Well, word of mouth had gotten out about what we were going to do. That's because we ladies talk. (laughs) Right. And 30 women had showed up to that first first event. And I was like, kind of blown away. I was like, I don't know what to do with all this. And I felt, you know, kind of overwhelmed a little bit, but really excited at the same time, you know, and Botech was gracious enough to, you know, give us some loaner bows for the day so that, you know, the ladies who didn't have their own could, you know, shoot some bows and they had staff there to adjust them and make it. So it was, it was fun and doable for everybody that was there. That's amazing. Yeah. And so it kind of like was one of those things where like, you know, cool. We had a great time, you know, we laughed and I kind of made some friends and, um, but as soon as it was over, everyone was like, when's the next one? I'm like, well, what are you talking about? Like, this was supposed to be just like a one time, like, let's, <laughs> let's hang out kind of deal. And I'm like, and so I started thinking and I'm like, I didn't realize there was so much interest and mm-hmm. want for something like that, that I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll think about putting together another ladies get together. 
And I kind of thought the interest would like peter off and like disappear. But no, they kept coming to me and they're like, so when is it? When are you going to do this? And I actually let a whole year go by before I planned the next one. So I was like, just, no, there's just not, there's really, there's not that much interest. There, there can't be. And so um, with the second one, I had more than 30 ladies show up and, you know, I had the same, same thing, you know, we had the indoor facility, we split the range in half and we do some instruction time and all that kind of stuff. And the excitement is still there. Like they just, everybody just has so much fun and we've made friends and yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot more than what I thought would ever come out of that first little, Hey, let's get a few friends together kind of thing. But that's how, that is how, um, it always surprises me, but then I go, why am I surprised? This is, right? exactly. <laughs> why am I, why am I surprised at those numbers? Because when something is real and not fake and not trying to make a ton of money, when you're just ah. really trying to, um, to get into the community and to teach yeah. and to help fill the passion that they are feeling toward this, then it happens. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I love that. Um, like the way that you're doing it, it's connecting women together. They have yep. the same passions and they are, they're yearning to be encouraged and they're, they're yeah. wanting to get better and they're wanting to connect with other women in the community. For sure. Mm -hmm. You know, and so, I mean, as I've done this for a few years now, um, I decided, you know, well, I might as well give it a name. Yes. And, um, and there was a lot of whisper from ladies of, you know, this is really cool. And this is really fun. You know, what we really need now is I wish I had somewhere where I could go and I can ask questions and not feel stupid. And I don't feel I can walk into my local archery shop without, you know, feeling silly or, you know, feeling like I want to be taken advantage of because I'm, I'm a woman, you know, yeah. and those are all legitimate concerns. You know, if it wasn't, if it wasn't for my husband, I've had a great resource in him. Yeah. I don't know that I would have gone out and done it on my own. So, and with that, you know, watching after watching Facebook and a lot of, I became hypersensitive to the Facebook groups and the hunting groups and how people talk to each other and how, you know, um, how, harsh, yeah. I guess is the word I'm looking for. Yep. We can be with each other. Mm -hmm. um, that men and I began, women. Men, men and women. Mm -hmm. it's, it's all around how I began to understand and I began to see that there was a need for, and I hate to call it a safe space, but really a safe space where people who are new and um, just wanting to get into it or people who've been doing it for a little while, but want to expand their knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, they needed a central location to get that information. So, um, so this year 
I did just that. Um, in March, no, not March, May, I launched my website. And on the website, I have um, an online forum where the ladies can go and um, ask whatever questions they want to ask without feeling like, oh my gosh, is this a stupid question? What kind of feedback am I going to be getting, you know, as well as offering, you know, webinars and live Q and A's with industry professionals and, um, honest gear reviews and, you know, helping them navigate their way through hunting seasons. Where do I get my tags? How do I get my tags? What do I need to know? Mm-hmm. You know, like I know like Oregon's different than a lot of, than even Washington. Cause originally I grew up in Washington where you could buy your license and your tag at any point during the season. You didn't have to get your license and your tag before the season started. Well, in Oregon, it's totally different. You have to have your license and your tag before the season starts or you're out of luck. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, to... For people who, you know, don't know where to start or where to get the information, you know, at least they can ask the question where if I don't know, I could always... I have resources that I can go to Mm -hmm. and be like, Hey, this is a question I was asked, you know, can you help me out here? Help me get this information. And, um, you know, with the live Q and A's, it allows the ladies to be able to sit with industry professionals, depending on which topic we're going over and ask their questions. You know, I might be able to sit and talk to somebody and ask questions, but I may not ask the questions that they want or need answered. Yeah. You know, and men and women, our brains work so incredibly different. That is true. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate that my husband's very patient with me in my learning process, but not everybody has, um, good resources and teachers. So to be able to have a place where they can go and, you know, become self-sufficient, the idea is to help ladies become self-sufficient so that they can be confident in themselves. Yes. Because we like to be prepared. (laughs) Exactly. And, And there are some men out there that are like that. And there are some women that work the opposite way, but for the mm-hmm. most part, I am one who wants to know all the details. I want to do all the research. I want to be so prepared. And yeah. of course, there are always going to be things that come up mid-hunt, beginning of the hunt, like during the hunt. It's There's always going to be something. But yeah. I want to be as prepared as possible for what I'm walking into. Yes, exactly. And that's the idea. Like I don't I I don't generally encourage people to do solo hunts especially around this area. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 hard you know, it's it's doable and I I believe people are fully capable of doing it. However, I always feel it's best to have somebody that you can hunt with. But I want to be able to give the resources and the know-how to be able to feel confident if they decided that's what they want to do and do a solo hunt. Exactly. And know that I've got the right pack. I've got the right kill kit. I've got the right everything I need to know that I can do this. Right. Oh, I love that. I wish that we had something like that here in Tennessee. (laughs) (laughs) I, and that, you know, and, and I get that from a lot of ladies. That's part of like, what's so awesome about social media and stuff as it is, is you find that there's so much want and desire and need Mm 
in other places that that like my my goal is to be able to expand the one-on-one in-person um type stuff to other states um to other locations i mean the website itself the memberships and stuff like that that's anybody anywhere any state anywhere yeah that any that's a resource for anybody it's not specific to just oregon or just washington right you can Um, still get information on the basics of everything exactly yeah Yeah. yep and you know and we're going to be looking into offering um cpr and field first aid so actual um field first aid that's appropriate for what we're doing so it'll actually be you know scenarios that you may experience when you're out hunting that is excellent that is great that's a great idea in fact um um that's that's something to pass around to people everywhere i'm glad that they're gonna be able to hear about it um i know that we've got a couple things here in tennessee we've got the um We've got a couple things coming up and they do mm-hmm. like an outdoor hunt kind of thing yeah. um, in the spring. But um, something that is more focused on one thing, because when you get a little bit too general, mm-hmm. um, it can pull away. Um, mm-hmm. You yeah. don't get to focus on one thing as much. So yeah, I love this idea. And I think that it shows your passion for others. Yeah. And that's really great. Um, And that's what it's all about for me. I mean, yeah. I mean, you could look at it and be like, whoa, you know, memberships and you got to pay to attend the events and stuff. But, you know, I struggled with that for a long time. I, I originally, when I first started the events, I was not charging anything for them. But we had incidents where a shop bow is dry fired and, you know, I have to be able to cover myself with that. Plus, you know, if I'm driving 200 miles, you know, I'm like, I can't take money out of my grocery bill to, you know, and it it was a huge struggle with me. Like I struggled so hard with that idea so long, but I had, I had other friends and people tell me like, no, like you can't do this like this forever. You you know, you gotta take care of your family. I'm like, I know, but because my, my whole idea is I want to reach as many people as possible. Right. And it's not about me. And as soon as it becomes about me and myself, that's when I quit. Right. Because for me, the best part of all of it is when I do the events and when I, you know, do the online forum stuff and the Q and A's and, and ladies get excited and I can see the joy in their face and the excitement and the light bulbs go on. And for me, that is the biggest reward, like to be able to see the excitement in somebody else and the sense of accomplishment and confidence. It's, it's everything. Yeah. Well, that's true. Men- mentorship. You know what I mean? It's passing on. You were passed on information. You applied it and now you're passing it on and it becomes something. And I've, I've talked with Guy about this, um, about how it, it's not full circle until you have passed it on to somebody and then they Mm -hmm. have applied it and they have passed it on. It's, we have to keep pushing that because without mentors, without encouragers, 
um, mm-hmm. we are going to see our numbers dwindle as oh, hunters totally. and those numbers yeah. are dwindling. And so oh, yeah. it's, um, I think that that's one great thing about social media and the internet and being able to do things like you're doing, you're able to open up, uh, to, to people not even near you in order to encourage them and mentor them in ways that they might not be able to find a place where they are. Right. Yep, exactly. And like you said, it's a safe place. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and my goal in all of it was not necessarily to make everybody a bow hunter, but for ladies, I know for myself coming from the past that I come from, um, in my life before where I am now, um, I was kind of under a rock. I was put under a rock and I didn't really have friends and I had zero self-confidence. So for me to step out of my comfort zone and try something new, mm-hmm. it was, it was not going to happen. And the idea is to, like I said, not make everybody an archery hunter or even necessarily an archer, but to give them the tools to step out of their comfort zone and try something new. Right. So they may try it and be like, this may be that first step for them to finding out for them what their passion is. And if it's not archery, I'm okay with that. I am so much more happy with the idea of them stepping out of their comfort zone and trying something new and finding out who they are and what lights that fire within them. Right. And it's, it's, it's like we've said, people come into archery or hunting or whatever they're trying new for different reasons. And those reasons could be anything from emotional to physical to mental to, it it could Mm -hmm. be a range of many different reasons. Yeah. But what comes out of it, the fruition that comes out of it is finding that passion. It's finding the ability to say, like you said, I stepped out of my comfort zone. Look what happened. Maybe this isn't for me, but it has allowed me to see that I can step out of my comfort zone. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I love it. The, I read an article that you wrote, and it was, uh-huh. I loved the title of it, um, A Purpose Driven Life is a Life Well Lived. Oh, that was the one that I wrote for Bowtech yes. a while ago. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh, that was so long ago, it seems <laughs> like. <laughs> I found it. Um, I love it. But it did, it kind of showed, and you have to go, like you said, if I start doing this for myself, then I've lost the purpose of it. And so you kind of have to go back. You kind of have to revisit every once in a while. Why am I doing this? Why, why am I bow hunting? Why am Mm -hmm. I teaching? Why am I in this industry? Um, And you have to revisit that to rebuild that passion. And I think that, you know, being on podcast and telling people about it. I think it just, it fuels that passion a little bit more and it opens it up to how many people. Uh, It, it's amazing what, and that's, that's my goal with this podcast. It's to be able to not push me forward, but to push you guys forward to show who you are and the impact that you guys are making because if I can do that, the impact is so much, it's worth so much more than anything that could ever come back and shine on me. Yeah, totally. 
Totally. So I loved, I loved reading that article. Um, okay. I want to touch on one other thing before I ask you another question. Okay. I did a little snooping and I found that you were approached by Naked and Afraid at one point. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Multiple times. Are you kidding? Oh, no. They reached out to me multiple times. I'm like, whoa, I'm flattered. (laughs) Totally flattered. I mean, (laughs) I read that. I think it was on your Twitter or something, or you had posted about it somewhere. And and I was like, that is amazing. Um, I think I put that on my my Facebook or my Instagram or something. I loved it. I loved it. Well, I'm super flattered. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm i one of those people who, I guess you could say I'm super conservative. Yes. And the fact that, you know... <laughs> Uh, you know, they blur, they blur things out, but I'm like, my nope. body belongs to my husband. That's, That's right. not for anybody else to see. Yep. And I told them, I'm like, if you guys have any shows that involve clothing, I'm, I'm all, I am all for it. I'm your girl. Hit me up. I'll be there. I love it. But to be, for them to seek you out and say, yeah. Hey, like that, it's super flattering. Thanks. It but was. no thanks. Yeah. And that's exactly how it was. <laughs> I did. I told him, I'm like, I'm super flattered. Like, don't get me wrong. But what a day to get that message. <laughs> yes. I just had to bring that up. I had to pull it out. That was, in fact, I think I told my husband and, and he said, you know, I could, I could see, you know, in the future, them possibly getting in touch with you. Um, but I'm going to have to put my foot down on that. And I said, babe, you don't have to. You will never have to put your foot down. You don't even have to worry about it. Don't even have to. Nope. You don't even have to worry your little mind about it. Not a desire. It's not going to happen. No, not a desire. Uh-uh. Okay. So tell me about this past hunting season for you. Have you, have your kids, I know you said you had a freshman. Um mm-hmm. Have your kids started hunting with you guys? Yes. So, um, actually it's, it's a family tradition for my husband. So they, he grew up hunting and so it's something they've always done. They've always taken the kids out of school and did these like week long family hunting trips. And, um, you know, for me, it's like, people are like, well, why don't you save your vacation time and go to Disneyland or go on a normal family vacation? I'm like, because normal, this is our family vacation. (laughs) Like this is what we do. This is, this is our thing. Like it just, because it's not what you do, doesn't make it any less of family bonding time. Right. So yes, the kids are very much involved. Um, my daughter, who's the freshman, um, she, she hunted, let's see, this last year was her second year. So she's, she had two hunting seasons. Um, she actually initially got started with, um, on her first hunt, um, 
with her first hunt being through um, another organization called Titan Outdoors. They're located out here in um, Tillamook, Oregon, and they put on a youth hunt um, every year that the kids have to um, put out a video essay that they listen to the video essays and they choose the kids for this hunt based on that. Well, she was chosen two years ago now out of like 200 kids that applied or something like that. And they take 10 kids and they, it's a completely free trip and they take them over to, um, four aces ranch in Eastern Oregon and they take them on a, a ram hunt. It's completely paid for. Wow. And each kid, um, their success rate is, I think, 100% with every kid they've ever taken. Wow. And um, so that was her first experience. And then some of the local taxidermists, they donate their time. So the kids end up with a shoulder, a free shoulder mount of their ram if they get one. And... Um, uh, so she also belongs, well, all three kids now belong to the local BB gun program that my father-in-law runs. Okay. And so they've, they've had gun handling safety, the whole nine yards, um, before this. So she, she impressed the owners so much with her gun handling skills that were better than, as they said, better than most adults that they deal with. They allowed her to upgrade her Ram for no charge because they, they, she carried herself so well and was so responsible. And, um, even, even on that hunt, she shot her Ram the first shot and it took off running and we weren't sure she hit it good. And we did see some fur fly. So we thought maybe she just, you know, grazed him or whatever. And we looked for him and we looked for him and, we didn't see any, there was no blood. So we're like, she had to miss, but then there was hair and they're like, Oh, just, you know, pick a different one. Cause I'm pretty sure you didn't get him. She goes, no, no, that's not the ethical thing to do. Aww. I'm going to find the one that I shot and I'm going to finish it. And she, she did. She found the one that she shot first and took a second shot on him and put him down and, and then that same year was her first deer season and she filled her deer tag. And then this last year, she drew um, a special permit for a mule deer over in Eastern Oregon. Um, That's kind of a harder tag to draw, but she has some ridiculous luck and drew it with only one point. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And and she got herself a nice four by five uh, mule deer. Wow. And so she's she's had quite the successful hunting. Um, The middle child, he's in sixth grade. Um, he is going to be our next elk addict. The kid is obsessed with elk hunting with us. That's fine. And he, um, you know, I love, I love how, um, how he has Dale to look up to, mm-hmm. um, for hunting and for taking him out. Cause he takes Hunter, you know, fishing and stuff, just the two of them. Cause he's really the only one who's like gung ho about, I want to go every time. And so he took him elk hunting a couple weekends ago and it was just the two of them. And they had so much fun. They didn't, they didn't get anything of course, but, but it's they, the experience, the bonding time, the yeah. experience. And yeah, the kids all love it. They all love it. And Hunter's getting ready to take Hunter safety so he can have his own tags this next year. And 
he's all he's waiting for us to get an elk because it's currently elk season right now and I'm actually <laughs> leaving first thing in like at dark in the morning oh dark 30 for elk <laughs> camp for the rest of the season Perfect. and um and he's like he's like um you're gonna come get me if you get one right so I can come help skin it and pack it out and yes I'm like yeah we'll come get you he goes even if I'm in school I'm like, yes, that is an acceptable excuse to get out of school Heck early. Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> of course. And he's just, yeah, he's learning to use his diaphragm calls and his beagle tube. And it's so fun to watch them grow and, and get involved and just have the same passions and to understand all about it. Well, it's, it's, and I've, yeah, my husband, just, yeah, they're excited. Have been. All right. So my kids have just finished hunter safety. In -hmm. fact, this weekend they took the test and passed and they have here in Tennessee, we have a lifetime sportsman's license that if you are under a certain age, which I think it's two, if you're under the age of two, you can get it for cheap. It's like $250. Oh, wow. For a lifetime sportsman's license, it includes fishing, hunting, everything. Wow. Um, And so as you get older, like right now, I'm almost 40, and it would be about $2,000 to get a lifetime sportsman's license. So it's worth it to invest in the kids early. Um, Yeah. So I, hearing you tell me all about your kids being so excited and involved, it's... There's something about being a first-generation hunter and passing the tradition on to your kids that brings a sense of pride and a sense of excitement, but also a sense of I'm doing, I'm doing my duty. Like, yes, there's, yeah, it's not just, yes, you are with the Northwest Ladies Range Day the mentorship that is happening there between you and these women and also the other people that are there helping out and these women, but also taking the time to invest in our families to pass it on because that's mm-hmm. where your traditions are going to keep going. Yes. Yeah, so I love, totally. I love that. My, we, our deer season opens up on the 28th and my son has already claimed <laughs> He has already claimed that second seat in the double stand because here in in Tennessee, we have, we have tree stands and we, so he has already claimed it. He said, that is mine. Day one. I'm going with you. I love it. And it's exciting to see them. Um, they both got to see, I got a, an eight point last year, Uh a beautiful deer And I called my husband. I said, hey, he dropped right away. It was a perfect shot. There's time. It's cold. Bring the kids over. We will field dress and they can see everything that goes on with it. They can see the order of it. Mm -hmm. I'm very, I used to work in surgery. So I love the, Mm -hmm. um, the order of everything when you open yeah. up. And so yeah. it takes it from being this grotesque thought mm-hmm. to um, to being clean, actually, if you think about it. And so yeah. they got to come over and they got to see everything from the point of 
finding the deer to to going through the whole process. And I think it surprised awesome. them that everything yeah. was in order. You got yeah. to go through and you got to teach, like we got to teach, here is the heart. Here are the lungs. Here's how everything is connected. Here's how the esophagus comes down. Here's the four quadrant stomach. Like this is how that works and the liver yeah. and the kidneys. And as you work down and they were just amazed at uh-huh. the whole process of it. And I think when you take away there's a lot of fear of the gross parts yep. with people who haven't been in hunting yet and or who haven't been in hunting at all. And I yeah. think when you take it out of the grotesque idea of it and you put a scientific almost present presentation of it, at, yeah. it, it takes it out of that area and it brings it into a different light. Yeah. And, um, exactly. and I think that's kind of the whole process of hunting it, it. There's it's how it's presented. Yeah. And I don't know about you guys, but like we, we process our own meat too. So like we, you know, everything is from the time you shoot it, you yeah. field dress it and then packaging it. Mm-hmm. We, we, we do it all. And so the kids have been involved in, you know, well, this is how we get hamburger meat. Exactly. This is, this yeah. is this this comes from this part of the animal yes. and this is how it comes out as hamburger meat. And this is steaks and, and, you know, this is how we cut this cut and, you know, the whole entire process from start to finish. Yeah. It's important to see that from start to finish, especially with when you're passing it on to that next generation. Mm-hmm. But it's also yeah. important with anybody starting. I didn't start hunting until four years ago. And yeah. knowing that order and knowing from start to finish, that's my responsibility. Yeah. As a hunter, ethically mm-hmm. and I mean, cleanliness and, you know, from the beginning to the end, it is my responsibility. Um, yeah. Whether you take it to a processor or you do it yourself, it's still your responsibility. Right. Yep. Yeah. So it, it has been, it has been such a joy to pass it on and I can't wait to see what happens this season. It's exciting. So exciting. <laughs> I can't imagine yet. Uh, we hopefully will get there, but to be you guys and to hear your daughter get her first goat, her first ram, um, that there's just something about it, you know, and, and it's crazy because you can't really explain the feeling. You can't really explain the experience of that. Like the first, um, when you're, when your child tags their first animal, you know, I was fortunate enough. One of our friends was on that hunt and, um, I had been videoing and taking pictures of Bella on my cell phone the whole time. And when she shot her Ram, like I was already videoing and he grabbed my cell phone out of my hand and videoed our reaction of her and me at that moment when she tagged her first animal. Oh, I saw that. It was oh raw. My gosh. It was raw. Yeah. It was amazing. And I had no idea he even took that video until we got back to camp and I had like looked through the pictures and stuff and I was like, oh my gosh, that I'm thankful for that moment right yep. there. Yeah. Because that's what it's all about. That's cool. It's very cool. And you would feel there there's it's a different feeling because it's your kid, but honestly, hearing or being with anybody else that you're mentoring, if you're there yeah. and you're able to watch that happen for the first time, 
it's it's the same kind of feeling all over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Goals for next year or for this coming year. You're about to go out on a hunt tomorrow. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So I have about five days left of my archery elk season. Um, it's been really, really difficult this year because the weather's not cooperating. Um, it's been a lot rainier than it normally is this time of year. Um, and the rut hasn't started. I don't know if it's in connection with the weather being not great or what, but the animals just aren't where we expect them to be. Mm-hmm. They're harder to find and with it being rainy it's cold and it yeah it's been it's been a struggle um the weather's not expected to get any better really for the last last part of season but my husband got on uh, a nice bull yesterday so we're hoping there's a little bit of hope there that we could still get it done but um it's gonna be tough yeah it's definitely gonna be tough my goal is to you know, at least find something, whatever over here, um, where we're archery hunting elk, um, the point we have point restrictions depending on what unit you're in. Okay. So the bull that we are looking for has to have at least three points on one side. So he could be a three by spike, but he has to have three points on one side in order for him to be legal. So it's, it's hard enough to find any elk right now, let alone a branch antler bull. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's doable. Like I said, it's doable. We got a little bit of time, but it, <laughs> it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. <laughs> and, you know, and then I have my rifle deer season coming up. Yeah. Um, that's in October. Um, you know, hopefully it's as easy as it was last year, but I'm not counting on it. <laughs> hey, the challenge, the challenge is what gets us back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and then and then and then comes fishing season. You know, okay. we over where we live, you know, we've got like I said, the ocean's not far away. So we get you know, all the salmon and steelhead as they're coming back from the ocean. So everything's super fresh. And we, we do a lot of, we do fall and winter fishing. And then after that comes spring, which is turkey season again. And then, you know, starts 3D season. So it kind of, we, it kind of revolves all year long. Yep. We've got (laughs) meeting. So we have fall turkey that opens on the same day as archery deer. So it's archery turkey at the same time. So we could, depending on what we see, we could, Uh we could take whichever one. Um, But we also have archery season opening up, let's see, in three weeks for the schools here in Tennessee, we have, Mm -hmm. we do the NASP program starting in fourth grade. So it goes from October to May to the end of middle of May. So it's a long season and it's, Mm -hmm. it's, we have to, so who's going to go to this one and who's going to go to this one and who's going to get to hunt and who's going (laughs) to, yeah, we know that struggle. It's the juggle. It's the juggle. Um, and so that's, that has been, I'm, I'm slightly green with envy about your salmon um, because we don't have that over here in our landlocked yeah. area. Yeah. Um, 
but it sounds like you guys, I mean, it's just constant. Y'all have oh, yeah. a busy, busy schedule. Um, yeah, for sure. And I love that about when I met my husband, cause he's like, Oh, I'm fishing or, Oh, I'm hunting. I'm like, you know what? You know, cause I hear a lot of ladies are like, man, you know, if their husband's gone all the time or somebody's, you know, you know, they talk about hunting widows or whatever. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? There are far worse things my husband could be doing with his time. Exactly. Than sitting on the river fishing all day until mm-hmm. it gets dark or, you know, out hunting. I'm like, I am so happy that he's out there enjoying himself. And, you know, cause his sanity benefits the entire family 100%, as well. hundred so, percent. And my sanity too, for the whole family. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's yes. a two way street. For um, sure. Okay. What are some of the, Okay. I'm I'm guessing your bucket list elk is pretty high on there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. I I am it's time that I'm so ready to fill my an elk tag. Yeah. Like I'm I'm past ready. I've <laughs> I've been antsy forever. Uh-huh. But um we also put off taking a honeymoon because we <laughs> want we wanna take we wanna take a a once in a lifetime trip and we're planning to go to New Zealand in 2021 for stags and whatever else we decide to go for while we're there. Exactly. (laughs) So that's, that's been on my bucket list. Stags have been on my bucket list since I can remember. Well, since I've started hunting, but um, yeah, that's a good bucket list uh, thing to have on there. Um, I also want to know if you've got any bucket list things for, um, Northwest ladies range. Yeah. So, um, coming up in this next year, um, part of the growth of it all is I put on my first 3d event this year, um, this summer. So we did a 3d competition for the ladies here in Oregon, and we are planning to expand to Washington next year. So next year we will have two outdoor events and two indoor events, um, with the 3d competitions and stuff. And my goal for next year, my bucket list for next year, well, starting in January, is to um, start expanding to Idaho and some other places because I've had a lot more interest in those areas than I kind of expected there to be, you know, and they, they're like, a lot of ladies are like, you know, we don't have a, a program or an event or something where these ladies all get together and do this. And I was like, and so I've been working really hard to try to find some archery ranges and shops um, that are willing to open up their ranges to allow these events um, to be done and getting archery shops to call me back. And it's a lot of work, you know, these, I, it usually takes me a good four to six months to plan an event. Um, but I mean, we're pretty excited because the Oregon and Washington events are both super successful and the ladies have a great time and it allows to reach more ladies and, um, but the 3d events are definitely becoming something that they, that's really exciting for them. We they, did a novelty shoot and all kinds of stuff. They look forward to that. It's, oh yeah, it's a, it's a way to have, it's a way to put all the time that they've practiced 
into action. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot more competition between self in those kind of shoots than others. I mean, the competition is there with others, but man, I think archery is such, it's kind of like track and cross country and those kind of things where it's, you're, you're trying to beat your time. Exactly. And it's, there's a lot of individual growth that can come with archery. And I, I love the NAS program. We've got a 3D program here too that kids can be involved in um, for women, for men. Like we, it is amazing to see how much growth can come from it, not just skill, but focus yeah. and, um, and like you said, confidence. Definitely. It's a big one. Yep. It's a big one. Yep. I love it. Well, that those are really great. Those are really great bucket list <laughs> goals to have for for the group. Um, I think anything where you're growing into different places, being able to impact more women is yeah. a great thing. Um, for sure, I'm happy. I hope that I hope that it works out. Um, maybe you'll have some archery places listen to this and say, I want to be a part of that. Um, I would love that. I anybody, would too. <laughs> can, anybody can contact me and we can make it work. Yes. Hey, what is, um, what are some of the things that you guys do? Um, Oregon, I've, I've talked with some California people and, um, mainly California people so far, but I want, what are some of the conservation things? I've, there's always money. There's always ways that you can put money into things, but what are some of the things that you guys do in your community um, conservation wise? So we have the Oregon Hunters Association mm-hmm. um, that, that they do different projects, you know, cleaning up um, habitat and, um they used to do over East, they used to do different, um, habitat restorations and improvements for, um, uh, birds and stuff like that. Um, they're, they do a lot of like, um, trying to get in contact with, you know, the people that run the state and how to help our herd numbers improve. And I've been an OHA member for about a year now. And, um, they they're working hard to try to find ways to make it safer for animals traveling from you know wintering areas to their everyday areas and with like land bridges and those kinds of things that's a big project they're working on right now is is these big land bridges i love seeing those they're beautiful yeah they're beautiful and it and to be able to kind of follow their natural path it definitely it makes a difference. Um, I love that the, I love hearing with each woman that I talk to, to each person that I talk to, I like hearing the different ways that people can get involved because a lot of times it's, I don't know, it can be overwhelming trying to figure out how can I impact, um, my community. Yeah. In that well, kind of way. You know, and I mean, just in our family in general, you know, uh, the the way that 
our Department of Fish and Wildlife is ran here, is ran by people really who I don't believe hunt yeah. <laughs> because our herd, our herd numbers are not managed properly. So within our own family, it becomes, it becomes about for us teaching ethics. We want them mm-hmm. to know that there needs to be future herds in order for them to have a future in hunting and to be able to pass on the tradition to their kids. So just because some, you know, it's legal, doesn't make it the best option for us. Right. You know, so we kind of, we kind of look at things, stand back and look at it. If I, if I take that animal, how is that going to affect the herds for future generations? Because nobody else is looking out for our herds. So we need to be the ones to do it. Right. There, there are different, and we've, we have talked about that here too, about how, um, each hunter is a manager of the land that they hunt. Yep. And you are responsible for making sure that you're not um, depleting the yeah, herd. Um, exactly. And that's, it's an important thing to think of. And we, so we hunt on private land. It's not big. It's like five, six acres. Mm-hmm. Um but it's surrounded by some land. And so when we are there, we have to think constantly, okay, how is this going to impact if we, we can't take, we legally in Tennessee, you can take three doe a day. Oh my goodness. Three. If we took three doe a day, which I would never even see three doe a day, but if I took three doe a day out of this five, six acre part of land, we would have no deer in that area. Exactly. So yeah. if if I were hunting in different areas of Tennessee, that might be something that I could do. But we have the opportunity to say, hey, this deer needs to grow a little bit more. This, yep. we need to keep like this doe has a baby every single year. We need to keep her around. This yep. is, these are the things that we're able to do being on private land and being able to see it year after year. Mm-hmm. Um, but people on public land kind of need to do the same thing. It's, it's, we're a little different because we have a ton of deer in Tennessee, but, um, but it's still, you still have to manage it. Yeah. Yep. So, Especially, you know, for us, you know, cause for us, it's, pretty much all public land, state land that we hunt. And we have a predator problem, but we also, like I said, the people who run our Department of Fish and Wildlife don't look at herd numbers and how things are affected. So our predator problem is out of control. So those affect the herd numbers in and of themselves. So like, you know, again, it comes back to how am I going to preserve this herd for a Mm -hmm. future generation if I'm depleting the animals that are too young to procreate and pass on for future generations. 100%. Yep. Yep. And I think, I think that that's a lot of people will talk. I I think that there's more conversation about that than we probably hear, but it's nice to talk about it again. Um, just about how conservation isn't necessarily, it's not just it's multifaceted. It doesn't have oh, just yeah. one face to it. For um, sure. Each hunter has that responsibility. Yep. Um, well, I am, I am, I'm excited for where uh, Northwest Ladies Range is going. I am, 
I'm excited about you going on your elk hunt tomorrow. My fingers are crossed for you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so excited. And, you know, and, and I'm just, I don't know how military wives do it. My hat's off to them because my husband's gone the entire month of September for our elk season. Mm-hmm. And I get to see him when he comes home once a week to shower or wash laundry <laughs> or when I'm free to go up to elk camp, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, man. <laughs> I just, I'm like, even, you know, after six years, like, you know, you're kind of used to it, but at the same time, it's like, I sure miss it. Uh It it seems like it it goes on forever. It's true. It's true. Well, I'm glad that you're going to get to hang out with him and, um, and I can't wait to see how this year comes out for you. I'm very excited. I'm excited for the women who are going to get to be a part of it as well. Yeah, definitely. Me too. Okay, go ahead and tell everybody right now how they can find you in all the places. Um, So I am on Facebook and Instagram um, under Northwest Ladies Range Day. Um, You can also find my website and it's just nwladiesrangeday.com. Perfect. And I did have Twitter at one point, but I don't use it anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't have, I, I was like, I, you know, Instagram and Facebook takes up enough of my time. Yeah. I, I can't keep up with it all. It's <laughs> true. Yeah, definitely um, follow me on Instagram and Facebook. I have a group on Facebook as well as a regular public page. Okay. Um, and then both my Instagram accounts. And the webpage. Go find if you've got questions, if if. There are people out there that want to be a part of of your webpage and to be able to learn and find a safe place to ask all the questions. Yep. And that's, again, just nwladiesrangeday.com. Perfect, Laura. Hey, thank you for hanging out with me. Well, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Today, I'm joined by Laura Baker of Northwest Ladies Range Day. We talk about first-generation hunters and the impact that mentorship and encouragement have on other hunters. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. Hey everyone, this is Andrew with Sasquatch Fuel. If you're heading into the backcountry this season and you need some meals that don't bog you down, check out SasquatchFuel.com. Our 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. For more information on conservation in action, head to SasquatchFuel.com. Hey guys, enter code WESTERNCONTOURS at checkout and save a few bucks off your order.